This is episode 48 of the Prepper Website Podcast. Today's articles are How to Handle Toothache Post-Collapse and How to Protect Yourself from Robbers. And because today is Wednesday, we have a special interview for you and looking forward to that one. Hey, I'm Todd Sepulveda, the editor of PrepperWebsite.com. This podcast is an audible version with some commentary of articles that have been posted on Prepper Website, a daily aggregator of preparedness information. These articles are some of the best of the best that have been recently posted on PrepperWebsite.com. All article links and show information can be found on the PrepperWebsitePodcast.com. Hey, if you're new to the podcast, I'd love to invite you over to come visit the PrepperWebsitePodcast.com. A lot of the times you can download the podcast and not necessarily visit the website, but uh, we link to all the websites that we read the articles, and we have permission to read all the articles that we uh, that I read. And uh, but I, I, you know, I encourage you to come and go to the websites because. You're missing out. If you don't go, you're missing out on a lot of links and and videos. And like today, one of the articles, the toothache article, has a ton of videos that you're not gonna you're not gonna want to miss. So um, you you know, come check out the Prepper Website podcast while you're there. You can drop me a note in the comment section or hit me up on Facebook, Twitter, Instagram. All those social media uh, channels are there so that you can um, you know connect with me that way. And uh, also, if you uh, if you like the episode. Appreciate it that you would share it out. I mean, that's always great. We make it really easy for you. And then also word of mouth is, is a very, very big deal. Uh, you know, just if, if you're able to share that out with someone by word of mouth, like, hey, I'm listening to this podcast. I mean, that, that means a lot more than just kind of seeing it on social media somewhere, right? So um, love for you to be able to, to do that. I really appreciate all those uh, shouts out and and all the all the attention out there where people are just kind of sending people this way to the prepperwebsitepodcast.com and then also if you are new to the podcast and you've never visited prepperwebsite.com that is the that's the website where we you know we post tons of preparedness information and we have so much information we post it's somewhere between 8 to 12 sometimes even more articles a day of new preparedness information that's out there that's being released by uh, bloggers preparedness bloggers survival bloggers homesteading all that kind of stuff there we also have a lot of other destinations on the top right hand corner you can get to like alternative news sites frugal sites uh, DIY sites you know all kinds of stuff and I got another thing in the work uh, works another site or another page in the, in the works that I'm thinking of. Actually, another site as well. Um, but I, I don't know. Just going to kind of think about that and pray about that one and see if that happens or not. But uh, I, I don't need another thing to do, but I, I think this is a good idea. So I'm just going to mull this one over for a little bit. But anyway, um, love for you to come to the website. Don't forget that you can also uh, join our mailing list. When you join the mailing list, you're automatically enrolled for our Living a More Self-Reliant Life um, e-course and you'll get five lessons you know one lesson a week sent to your email but then also you're on the on the uh, mailing list and there's a lot of benefits of that and then also uh, I invite you over to the free Facebook page all right so all right got that all all that out of the way let's go ahead and start reading because we have some good articles here and a great interview today our first article comes to us from Survival Sullivan and again the article is how to handle toothaches post collapse and let me just say this right off the bat. If you've never had a, uh, like an abscess or you've never been in real tooth pain before, like not just like sinuses or, man, you, you've never really felt it before. I mean, I'm telling you, uh, tooth pain sucks big time. And there's a lot of things in this article that 
you might want to go and you might want to print this one out or if you have the ability to turn this one into a PDF you might want to actually do that and you definitely want to go check out the videos so I think there's a lot of good information here alright let's go ahead and start reading I thought I would write this as I still can remember the inhumane pain a few Christmases back when I had some horrible tooth pain with my wisdom teeth when my wisdom teeth decided to come back in as it was Christmas I put off getting seen about throbbing jaw pain that came and went for as long as I could. I had other things on my mind, well I guess as there are additional pressure on them from the wisdom teeth. I had two teeth that had fillings from when I was a kid break in one week. I think I was eating almonds and then pieces started to come out. The exposed nerves and tissues were so sensitive. This is also when I learned that many dentists closed from Christmas to after New Year's Day. It was about two weeks of hell. I went to the ER a few times as I felt my head was going to explode. I had sensitivity to light, sound, and even my husband's deep voice as it reverberated my eardrums. From my mouth, through the no nose, into behind the e eyes and ears, it was pain. So I feel I can tell you of some home remedies worked honestly by experience. As I scoured the internet and asked everyone I could for home remedies and old wives tales, secrets, etc., even through pain meds and all the OTC pills and store products, it was the home remedies and natural cures that worked the best. I had some mishaps and a few I overdid, and I will list those as well. As with any natural substance, you have to use care when using it. I actually worked in orthodontic restorations for a decade, not bridges, but making veneers and caps and specialty items like vampire teeth grills, and overlays with gold and gemstones. <laughs> that must have been a fun job, right? Uh, one thing that is for sure, you will still have teeth after SHTF or post-collapse. Most will have thought of toothbrushes and toothpaste for their stockpiles, and oral care may not be the first thought when prepping for SHTF. But a simple abscess can kill a person very quickly. So it's smart to not only think about routine dental care and maintenance, but to educate yourself to prepare for any dental emergencies in a time that dentists may not be readily available. Hopefully you will not you will not need to know for a long time. These remedies can be good to barter with and help the poor soul who may be suffering from from tooth and jaw pain. Being proactive now and stocking up can sure help you in the long run. Before I continue, I, I just remembered something. When when my uh, that I, I want to pass on, and not too many people know this. I've actually been able to help some people like uh, at work from this. Uh, when I had my abscess, um, I I had an infection, of course, and the dentist gave me the dent this dentist didn't want to work on me until the infection cleared up. So uh, and which is kind of weird because there was other I'd he was my second opinion I'd gone to someone else that was ready to take care of it all then and there and so I, I, I preferred this one I like the way that he kind of walked me through everything so he gave me a real strong antibiotic to take care of it I think it was a z-pack and it wasn't working um, it wasn't working the infection wasn't going away I was still having pain uh, it helped a little bit I went back to him again, and he gave me another Z-Pack. He's like, look, if this one doesn't work, you're going to have to go to the hospital, and you're going to have to get an intravenous you know, antibiotic because for some reason it's not taken. I don't know what's going on. When I went to go fill the second antibiotic, I mentioned that it was my second antibiotic to, to the pharmacist, 
And, uh, you know, I said, you know, all I'm taking is, you know, my vitamins. He goes, oh, no, no. If you're taking vitamins, uh, many vitamins will absorb antibiotics. And so if you're taking vitamins while you're taking antibiotics, that's, that's a no-go. You don't want to do that. And so over the years, uh, I mean, that's something that I remember. And it just kind of flashed back to me as I was reading that last paragraph. If you ever have to take antibiotics and you are someone who takes vitamins, I take vitamins, you know, every day. Um, if you take vitamins, when you're taking antibiotics, you got to stop those vitamins because it will, it will absorb it and you won't get the full amount of the, uh, of the antibiotic. And, um, I just, you know, that's just something not too many people. And actually the doctor didn't even tell me that, or the dentist didn't even tell me that it was a pharmacist who had to tell me that. So, um, hopefully that'll help somebody out out there. All right, let's continue going on. An interesting article is this piece. And like I said, there's going to be a lot of links and a lot of video uh, here on this, on this uh, article. An interesting article is this piece on finding a beeswax cap making a cavity filling on a Neolithic body that is over 65,000 years old. Another find was the use of flint drills on teeth from bodies in a 9,000 old Pakistan grave. Why do my teeth hurt video going over the makeup of a tooth? So there's a video there uh, they're linking to. Commonly called odontalgia, a toothache is one of the worst pains imaginable. It is considered a pain in or around the tooth and it's gum that can go into the jaw and it can be quite severe. It generally is described as a pulsating pain. There are a few different ways this pain can be generated and you will want to identify the cause as well as you can to be able to treat it. There are a few conditions that can cause pain in the area that are not related to teeth, like referred pain of myocardial infarction, chemotherapy, neuropathy, or TMJ that affects the trigeminal nerve. But in this article, we are talking about toothaches and jaw pain. Conditions that cause toothache and tooth pain. Poor oral hygiene, although cavities are the most common reason. Bacteria eats through the enamel. Wisdom teeth, cracked teeth, dry socket left after extraction, jaw pain, broken tooth, filling falling out, abscess, swollen jaw, usually from an abscess, teething in younger children, injury or bleeding, bleeding can be stopped. If the tooth is chipped or lost, care will be needed. A few things you can do to alleviate pain or at least not make it worse are stick to lukewarm temperatures or crack, a cracker or break in the tooth exposes the tender nerve inside. And any extreme temperatures can cause pain and aggravate the situation. Carefully floss and rinse around the area. You will want to remove any particles that may put pressure on the tissue and avoid anything from getting into the exposed site. Rinse the mouth with the salt water rinse for the same reason. The salt water will help wash away blood and any infection or drainage. Elevate your head. Having your head elevated is the preferred method as is your lower as you lower it below heart level, it can cause your heart to work harder to push blood, increasing pressure and intensifying pain signals and throbbing. Avoid high sugar and high acid foods as they can st stimulate the nerve and intensify the pain. Try OTC pain medications. Use the ones that are anti-inflammatory to help keep the swelling at a minimum. Cold compress with ice on the outside of your face. Reflexologists swearing, swear icing your hand will quell any signals to the brain. Place ice between the thumb and the forefinger. Make a plug from gauze, gum, or beeswax to fill a hole or seal the crack. See below. Rinse to desynthesize 
desynthesize the mouth, kill bacteria, and help fight infection. Salt water. Use one-third cup to one glass of hot water. Dissolve and use with when warm. 30 seconds rinses several times a day. Salt water mixed with 3% hydrogen peroxide. Some add essential oils such as peppermint or cinnamon. Check our article on essential oils to help pick ones that may help disinfect and lessen pain depending on your immediate needs. Black tea is known for its soothing and inflammatory quality. I think it's supposed to say anti-inflammatory. Anti-inflammatory qualities. The tannic acids will help soothe burning and inflamed tissues. Peppermint tea. Peppermint is known is a known headache and numbing remedy, so use leaves in hot water and make an astringent rinse. A wet tea bag against the tooth can also help. Half Maalox liquid and half liquid Benadryl may help by coating and numbing. Do not swallow. Hydrogen peroxide to kill bacteria. Wash away infection and squash any growth of microbes. Use 3% solution as a rinse. Infection can be signaled by a metallic taste in the mouth and accompanying fever. Rinse well with water after use. Grava leaves. Use their leaves to make a thick concoction by steeping for 20 minutes. Rinse the mouth and in about a minute you should feel some relief as to a high concentration of analgesic properties. Myrrh. A natural astringent, myrrh may have been a gift to the baby Jesus to help with teething. Just joking, but it was considered a treasured substance for its medicinal properties and it's easy to grow. Again, those were all rinses um, up there, so that fall under the rinses sub subtopic uh, there. I added this to my herbs for me and my pets in our medicinal garden to dry and stockpile. Dogs get tooth pain and abscesses, so this is a safe and non-burning way to administer an astringent for them. This video is for post-surgery, but it shows how to rinse teeth and your mouth properly. Acupressure. Applying pressure to the area where the base of your thumb and your index finger join is supposedly to help increase endorphins if you do it two, for two minutes. This may work for some. This is also the area for headache relief and where you should ice. I guess that's from the above reference. Here is a video on how to do the acupressure method to cure tooth pain. Soak. Black pepper, pepper and vinegar pack soak. One country cure is on the outside of the cheek. Use a vinegar soaked piece of brown paper bag and fill one side with loose black pepper and apply that side to the cheek. I made a pocket with the pepper inside and lay my head on it. It is a warming sensation that was quite soothing. I do know this is an old remedy for a homemade liniment before the days of Bengay and Icy Hot or portable he heating pads for athletes, especially horse ones, and this was a backfield fix to soothe swollen legs post-race. I live in Kentucky, believe me on this. So this makes sense it would be a warming soothing compress for tooth pain. Topical applications to help toothaches. The following can be applied in a paste. Use a Q-tip for a better aim. Inside a filtering device such as a coffee filter, tea bag, or stocking piece as a poultice to allow it to soak in and only affect that area or as a rub. They can also be placed into a cotton ball and placed between the cheek and the gum or the bite can hold them in place. Most effective toothache pain remedy I tried. Salt and black pepper paste. This 50-50 salt and pepper paste was a cure I heard from Eric's mother from, the, from her great-grandmother. 
I thought it so simple. There was no way it would work, right? After it did wonders, like a switch to the pain suddenly turned to off, I am now a believer. Now, a few years later, I can see many, many comments on places where this was a recommendation as it works. It worked when lidocaine soaked cotton balls from the ER wouldn't. That's how effective this simple mix is. Wheatgrass can be chewed or used as a rinse as it is a natural antibiotic. It also draws out heat and toxins, so helps relieve pain from swelling. As to fetida, this is an ancient Indian cure. Its name literally means stank resin. Use a pestle and a mortar to mix it with lemon juice. Then heat to make a lotion for quick pain relief. It had the same effects as Aura Gel for me and about 90% cheaper. It is very cost effective. It has a smooth taste but stinks like hell. Do not store around other foods, only in sealed plastic containers. It is also a digestion aid and fights flu and the H1N1 virus as it's antiviral. This is another you may want to plant for trade and barter as it is good for asthma, bronchitis, whooping cough, and epilepsy. The Dutch colonists wore it around their necks in small bags. That's one that I just, I've never really heard before. I'm going to have to look into that one and uh, maybe see if I can get some seeds or something. Garlic. This has a very strong antibiotic effect and also a listen to slow down micro growth. Crush and apply. Many recommend a daily garlic clove for improved oral health and to fight early stages of gingivitis, which may apply in a solitary way of life. The smell is strong. No vampires attack. Onion. The studies have shown the highly concentrated antibacterial properties of onions. They saw eat them raw daily or chew for three to five minutes to kill all the germs in your mouth. I can see this in an SHTF use, plus they are easy to grow and dry. Place a slice of onion over the tooth that is affected. If the toothache is ongoing, such as with wisdom teeth coming in, eating onions daily will boost immunity and improve overall tooth and gum health. Aspirin. This one was very effective with a broken tooth I had. When my wisdom teeth came in, a few teeth had fillings that came out, leaving open pits over the nerves. Well, it was horrible. The aspirin worked by scalding the nerve and deadening it. I made the mistake of getting it on my gums. It left white chemical burns as I had used it overnight. It was effective in deadening horrible pain inside a tooth as it was hard to get to, but used with caution. It works, but it will numb your lips and tongue and anything it touches. I powdered it and just used my finger to pack it into the filling cavity. Ginger. Crush and apply. See below. Cayenne pepper. Make a paste and apply with a Q-tip. See below. Cayenne and ginger paste. Both ingredients are potent painkillers and block pain signals from entering the brain basically by burning the area and causing that fight or flight to set in and increase endorphins and serotonin to the traumatized area. This is the science with hot applications. Place on a cotton ball and when the pain fades, remove. Lime. Helps with bleeding gums and by adding vitamin C. It is also smart to use it when you have a decaying tooth and loose teeth. Grind the peel and add it directly to gums and eating. Raw lime will heighten, heighten your vitamin C concentrations. Tea. The tannins in many teas are very soothing and acts as an antiseptic. Use them in their tea bags to soak the area for relief. Make combos with salt, pepper, olive oil, clove oil, garlic for added benefits. Bayberry. This little berry has an antiseptic, antibiotic, 
an antipyretic property so it helps stop the toothache and strengthen teeth while toning gums. Use the bark with vinegar to make a paste to apply directly to the painful tooth. Oil of oregano. Swabbed on is an antiseptic and an antimicrobial. Clove powder. The eugenol in clove powder is a powerful anesthetic and it is also anesthetic properties. It is said to mix this with vanilla as vanilla enhances chemical properties. I did find some relief with this. It numbed the tooth. Quick fixes to plug a cavity, seal a crack, or cover the nerve. These are meant to be temporary, but covering the area where it is a, where it is a crack or actual hole can really go a long way to bringing pain levels down and protecting the area. The last thing you want to do is get food or particles in there that develop into a major infection. So I would rinse well and clean it the best you can. If you have loose filling or tooth, these may help by offering some steadiness. Chewing gum, beeswax or candle wax, epoxy, wood, many pirates had wooden teeth crowns, resins, anything that can seal it, rubber cement. I used a spackle type of repair kit. Making a home dental plug for a cavity video. So there's another video there that they're linking to. Preventative measures to incorporate. Hindsight is always 2020, isn't it? There are a few things that may be worth incorporating into your life now, which can help to avoid future dental pain or work. If we are in a world where you do not know if you will be able to see a dentist, these can be very important as tools to avoid painful and maybe life-threatening conditions. I never want to go through that pain I had when I couldn't see a dentist over the holiday. I won't add procrastination to the list, but these things do not improve. So maintaining your teeth with checkups and good oral hygiene practices is the best way to prevent or push away any extra trips to the dentist. Use a toothpaste and water that is fluoridated. For as much flack as it gets, fluoride is a natural element that does prevent tooth decay in children. I have seen many stockpiles that have fluoride tablets for the future, but you can get it right from your garden. It is actually in many foods. For a list of the 250 foods highest in fluoride, check here. So in a post-collapse situation, you can still get the advantage in oral health from, from fluoride from foods like pickles, grapes, and raisins, grape juice, orange juice, grape juice, apple juice, spinach, tomato products, carrots, potatoes, peaches, pears, farina, oats, mini baby foods, asparagus, popcorn, potato chips, and prevent impacts. Be careful. I think this is actually another subtopic, but somehow I got uh, underneath this, uh, this list. Uh, be careful in sports or any aggressive playing activity, especially for children, when the teeth are in the stages of growing. Use helmets and protective dental guards. Limit sugars or brush more to level it out. I have a sweet tooth, so when they say cut out sugars, note for me. But I do brush up to three times a day. After consuming sugars or sugary drinks, I at least wipe them with a cloth. If they aren't sitting on the surface, they can't damage them. This goes for high acid foods too, and then I can't wait to brush them when I get home. The Egyptians used this as a source of tooth care, but it doesn't take care of the junctures in between, as evidenced by the dental records of the thousands of mummies examined. The primary cause of this periodontal disease was bacterial irritation in the accumulation of plaque at the dental gingival junctions, or the gum lines. The main thing they noticed about the teeth in all levels of society was how ground down the teeth were from the sand in everything. Avoid alcohol, smoking, and tobacco. Well, add that to sugar and that's just not feasible for the population. 
moderate your amounts, and just brush more if you partake of anything fun or good. Maintain a healthy diet or try to eat healthier. The crux of everything, a healthy diet. Think of your body as a machine and food just boring fuel. If portions and supplies are limited and a lot more work goes into producing anything for the table, such as in a post-collapse scenario, this will be easier to do. For now, moderate. There's a, another a video here, ways to protect your tooth enamel. Sprinklings from the Tooth Fairy. I think in writing on this site more than ever, I have taken stock and become more aware of things I need to do and not slack on, or to start if we are not already. I have certainly added things to my garden, bob bags, and EDCs. So I would suggest stockpiling a few of these items if you are not already to make all natural cures for post-collapse toothaches and dental emergencies for you, your family, and even your pets. Many natural ingredients here can be used in other types of home remedies too. If there is anything you'd like to see us talk about or explore more, please let us know. All right, so uh, there's a couple of comments there that you can go check out. But again, a lot of information here that you'll uh, you'll want to go look at the videos and um, even these remedies. You might even want to print out this this article or convert it into a PDF for your electronic files. All right, so again, so let's move on. This is Wednesday, and that means that there's an interview. And so we try to have a a new interview every Wednesday. I, I'm happy to say that this. Wednesday, uh, we are, or I've interviewed um, Justin Cummins from Sheepdog Man, uh, sheepdogman.com. And Justin is actually uh, a friend. He's a new friend, uh, but uh, a good friend. We've had lots of long conversations, and it's kind of good to hang out. And uh, so he's done, uh, an, he's done an interview, and he actually went ahead and recorded it. Um, so he's uh, he's so he's recorded it. I'm going to be able to play that for you here in just a little bit. Um, but first, you know, sheepdog. What what some people out there might be wondering: What is a sheepdog? Uh, what does that entail? And so uh, Justin does have an article on his website that uh, does talk about you know what is a sheepdog man. So he does give me a lot of his uh, social media accounts. He's given me a couple of his uh, high ranking. Uh, articles that I'm going to go ahead and post in the the mention category on the podcast. So you'll want to go check those out. He'll make a mention of those, but I'm gonna. I just want to let you know that I'm going to include them in the podcast or the episode notes for episode 48. So you can go and easily click to that as well as all his social media channels. All right. So uh, let's go ahead and listen to this interview with Justin Cummins of SheepDogMan.com. Tell us a little bit about yourself and your preparedness. Please include why you started prepping. Sure. So uh, like many other people, I would imagine, the first seeds of prepping were planted in my mind when the terrorist attack happened on 9-11. I was only 25 years old, but I think it was the first time that I realized our country was vulnerable to outside attack. However, I, I was not in a financial situation to do much. And uh, I was living in Santa Clarita, California, which is in Los Angeles County, where I was surrounded by, you know, an estimated 13 million people, probably even more. So when I was living there, I always felt like the only viable survival plan would be, would be to bug out and to do it as quickly as possible. Uh, because it, if you waited at all, if there was any delay, getting out would be nearly impossible. And there was also a possibility that the roads themselves would be damaged or destroyed. And 
Another reason I thought that that was because I had seen a mayhem and anarchy that took place during the Rodney King riots of 1992. I was 12, maybe at the time. And so I recognized that, you know, that area would quickly become a war zone in any type of uh, prolonged disaster. But I started to think, okay, what type of disaster is, is actually likely to happen? At first, my primary thought was a massive earthquake. Uh, remember, I was still in L.A. at the time. But then the financial crisis of 2008 hit, and uh, the economic effects of that were scary in and of themselves. And I believe they would have been much, much worse if not for the fact that most families had dual incomes. And also, many people receive food stamps and other types, other forms of government assistance. Uh, without those things, I think that we would have seen... Uh, you know, a situation a lot more like the the uh, 1930s styles Great Depression, in which there might have been food lines even. However, uh, more than the economic crash itself, uh, the the subsequent bailouts of the banks really opened my mind. Uh, I remember thinking at the time, wait, they're giving the banks 700 billion dollars. Where's that money coming from? And and so then I you know I, I started to wonder and and, and ask myself. It, just how exactly does our money system work? So I started reading. First, I read The Web of Debt by Ellen Brown. And then I began to consume as many other books as I, as I possibly could on the issue. And eventually, I learned about the differences between the Austrian and Keynesian school of economics and the difference between fiat currency and real money. I became aware of the Mises Institute and just started to consume as much of that information as I, I possibly could. The short of that is basically I became convinced that our financial system is not sustainable in the way that it operates. And it will eventually, it will collapse. And so uh, you ask, what are your main preparedness concerns and what am I prepping for? Uh, number one is a financial collapse. Uh, second would be an attack on the electrical grid or even a failure due to aging, uh, you know, an EMP attack or just simply the whole thing falling apart because it isn't being maintained like it should be. Or uh, another scenario would be prices, energy prices becoming so high that most people cannot afford them. Uh, my third concern would be an oil crisis or refinery crisis that would interrupt the just-in-time delivery system. Uh, there's other things that could do this as well, uh, disruption to infrastructure, etc., but obviously, if the trucks stop making deliveries uh, to the gas stations and grocery stores, it would only be a few days before all hell would break loose. And in that type of situation, bugging out by vehicle would be pretty much impossible uh, because there, would just, there wouldn't be any gas. right? And fourth would be natural disasters. Um, so we write a lot about natural disaster preparedness. And fifth is war, uh, which is kind of low on my list, uh, but possible. Of course, with any of these, civil unrest is, is, is likely to happen. I mean, we see people, you know, we see civil unrest occurring because, you know, um, a sports team wins. So, so in the event of a disaster, especially a prolonged disaster, that, that definitely will occur. And so I prepare for that. You ask, how has your preparedness changed over the years and why? Okay, it has changed in three ways. Number one is in my way of thinking. As time progresses, I see a moral shift occurring. Maybe I'm just becoming more aware. I have traveled a lot. I've been to every state in the country except for two. And uh, this change or, or, or the pattern that I see makes me think that in any situation, more and more people will simply wreak havoc 
and mayhem as much as they possibly can. They'll kill, they'll rape, they'll pillage, and they'll do that without hesitation. And gangs will quickly form little armies, and they'll be tough to stop, especially in the major cities. So my conclusion to all of that is that the most important prep for many people is to eventually relocate if they can. Uh, it's, it's similar to how they say in real estate, location, location, location. Uh, the second way that my prepping has changed is that in the beginning, my thought was to store up as, as, as many of the preps as I would need to survive, right? Until things return to normal. Uh, but now I recognize that things may not ever return to normal. And so I want to become as self-sufficient as possible. And, and I want to do that anyway. Uh, the natural progression for me then has been to move towards self-sufficiency through farming, setting up an off-grid homestead or retreat, etc. Uh, thirdly is a focus on uh, what I consider to be valuable self-sufficiency skills and the, the accompanying assets that go along with them. So skills like first aid, farming, livestock, firearms, hunting, fishing, welding, building, bushcraft, etc. You asked me to tell about my website and uh, podcast or YouTube channel and what my main focus is. Our, our website is sheepdogman.com. The focus is on providing our audience with information that will help them increase their knowledge and build their skills in all the areas mentioned above and much, much more. Uh, we'll be launching our podcast very soon, as well as the YouTube channel. So please be sure to sign up for our newsletter. Uh, you ask, do you have any upcoming projects that listeners might be interested in? Right now, I'm finishing up a series on emergency preparedness called The Big List of Nasty Disasters and How to Prepare. When that's done, it will be made available as a, an ebook, free ebook, to all of our current newsletter subscribers. Also, uh, a series of articles on edible plants is in the works, as well as a series on nasty pets and parasites, and a whole bunch of other series of articles. Also, I'm going to be uh, to make the alternative news link on Sheepdogman go to thecommonsreport.com instead of running it there on the Sheepdogman page. And that site is another site that I operate, and it's a news aggregate with a little bit of commentary mixed in, and uh, soon we'll be home to the Cummins Report Alt News Podcast. Lastly, I'm working on completing the first book in a series of prepper novels that will follow the adventures of Sheepdog Jack. And you ask me to give two to three examples of my work and that I would like to share with your listeners. Okay, sure. There have been many uh, uh, popular articles. The most popular of these, though, by a number of hits in that order is uh, How to Beat Extreme Heat and Stay as Cool as a Cucumber, Even Grid Down. Uh, another one was How to Build the Ultimate Vehicle Survival Kit with a Checklist. We provide a nice checklist there that you can download and print. It's a printable. And uh, How to Get Physically Fit for the Apocalypse, Six Steps. All of those you can find on the website. What would you like to say to the Prepper Website Podcast listeners? I'd like to say this. Press on, stand strong, be vigilant, and keep prepping. Where can people find you? Links, social media. Okay, we are uh, on the web at sheepdogman.com and thecommonsreport.com. Uh, Facebook, we have a Facebook group. It's facebook.com forward slash groups forward slash sheepdogman. Or the page is Facebook facebook.com forward slash sheepdogman. Uh, Twitter is twitter.com forward the sheepdogman. YouTube, uh, you'll have to go to the website to click on that link. It's too complicated to, to, to tell you. And then Instagram, Instagram.com forward slash Sheepdogman. Pinterest, Pinterest.com forward slash Sheepdogman. Blogloven.com forward slash at Sheepdogman. Thanks. Have a great day. All right, Justin. Thanks so much for doing that interview. So much good information there. It's always helpful to kind of see, you know, uh, 
preparedness from other people's perspectives and see you know why they they've, you know where they're coming from and all that good stuff. I'm looking forward to his podcast, his uh, his uh, alternative news podcast when he gets that uh, geared up and, and started. So looking forward to that one. All right. So again, remember, guys, I'm going to have all the articles that he mentioned and also what is a Sheepdog Man article and his social media account. I'll have that on episode 48 uh, of at the Prepper website podcast.com. And so you can go check that out and, and link to all those different social media accounts and follow him and uh, go check out these articles. All right. So let's go ahead and go to the last article of the podcast. This one's coming to us from smartpreppergear.com. And the title of the article is How to Protect Yourself from Robbers. I think this is an important article to, uh, to read and an, uh, important, important information just to know. All right, so let's go ahead and start getting into this one. According to the FBI Uniform Crime Reports, 44.5% of all robberies happen on the streets. An average of 447,000 robberies happen every year in the United States at a rate of one per minute. So it is important to understand how to protect yourself from robbers. Of course, city slickers face more of a chance of being robbed over country dwellers. Robberies are typically big city crimes where large metropolitan cities experience a robbery rate of 173 per 100,000 of population. Small cities only report an average rate of 62 per 100,000 population. Regardless of where you live, there is still the potential of being robbed. This is why we prepare now. In order to do so, we need to understand how to protect yourself from robbers so that you can live without great bodily harm. Below, you will find my tips on how to do so. How to protect yourself from robbers. Develop and practice situational awareness. By developing situational awareness, you can prevent yourself from becoming a target of a robber. This doesn't guarantee that you will never face a robbery, but does improve your odds. The better you become at situational awareness, the safer you will become. You will need to establish a baseline for every situation that you find yourself. By establishing a baseline, you easily spot outliers of the threats. The baseline is something that is normal for that specific situation or location. For example, if you're in a busy downtown area during the day, then most people will be walking with purpose, trying to get to work or running errands. People that are walking around with no purpose should raise red flags. So if you see someone wandering around people watching them, most likely they are up to no good. By identifying the threats, you are able to avoid these areas or people. You should also identify escape routes. That way, if a bad guy comes your way, then you can avoid or deter them. Be careful communicating with strangers. Some robbers will attempt to build trust with you in order to lure your lure you into a vulnerable location or situation. Sometimes robbers will stop passerbys asking them for directions or general questions. These questions are designed to buy the robber time while probing you to see if you have anything valuable or to see if you are able to properly defend yourself. Become more of a threat. Robbers typically target people who are small and or weak. This is why it is important to be in a physical shape. If a robber knows that you can kick some Ask, then they will most likely move on to the next potential target. Create a distraction from being followed. If you notice that you are being followed, then try to create some sort of distraction so that you can get away. Most robberies tend to be against one person by one robber and finishes in less than a minute. So you can quickly lose a potential robber by walking into a crowded place and blending in. 
If that doesn't stop you from being followed, then you can stop someone to begin talking with them. It would be helpful if you ever told them that you felt like someone was following you. If you feel really, feel really threatened, you can begin yelling out for help. If you don't want to go that far, then you could set off an alarm or break a glass. This will immediately grab the attention of everyone in your vicinity, putting all eyes on you. This will change the robber's mind real quick. I generally carry a personal alarm on me at all times. This little small tool has a loud ass siren with is such sure to get a lot of people's attention. It can be latched onto your keychain or belt loop. Become the Gray Man. The purpose of being a gray man is that you blend in so that you don't become a target to begin with. So it is important to understand how to be a gray man on everyday basis. Robbers typically look for people who are carrying valuable and flashy items. The gray man is ordinary in every way and doesn't catch the attention of others or leave an impression to be remembered by. For example, if you are wearing expensive brands or patterns like Louis Vuitton, then a potential robber knows that you are carrying something valuable or have money on you. This is especially true for women who carry these expensive purses. Robbers know all too well what an expensive brand and design is because it is a good payday for them. For the most part, I tend to wear non-flashy items like a G-Shock watch. You won't really see me with a shiny, blinged out watch or jewelry. The gray man doesn't want to draw attention from anyone, especially robbers. Don't go home if you are being followed. You may think that home is the safest place to be when you are being followed. However, this isn't always the case, especially if the robber knows that you are home alone. At that point, you have essentially led them to a more valuable items than they can grab. It is, a better, it is better to go to a police station or public location where you can call for assistance. Try not to travel alone at night. As I mentioned earlier, most robberies happen on individuals by a single robber. If you are traveling with a group of people, then you automatically outnumber the robber. This would cause more work, which the robber doesn't want to do. Most robberies happen in less than a minute. Instead, they are more likely to be to opt for an easier target. And I just let me just say, um, this is one thing that I really stress with my wife. I mean, I don't, I don't like her to go out uh, past a certain time at night. And uh, if she if she does, if she has to, I'm, I'm either going with her or one of my sons who are humongous are going to go with her and, uh, you know, walk ne right next to her. So uh, very, very important. It's just it's just better if you don't have to you know mess with that. It's sad that we have to do that. And we live in a society right now, but uh, that's where we are. Avoid dimly lit areas. This should be a no brainer. But I see I still see tons of people walking alone in dark alleys at night. These people are more trusting of others than I am. That is for sure. Robbers love dark alleys and locations because you can't see them coming. Not only that, but others can't see them attack you. Dark areas also hinder you from properly defending yourself. Keep small amounts of money in your pockets. By having small amounts of money in your pockets, you are reducing the risk of losing everything when you are robbed. Also, by having small amounts of money in your pockets, you can quickly throw it on the ground in front of a robber and slowly take off. This will leave the robber preoccupied with picking it up off the ground. For the most part, robbers are not going to strip you butt naked to make sure that they get all the money off of you. For that reason, you can hide money in different pockets or holes like the heels of your shoes. I actually carry a travel carry belt that can hold my valuables under my clothes. Fight or flight. When considering how to protect yourself from a robber, you might have to one day defend yourself from them. Some robbers can become violent or unsatisfied with the amount of money that you gave them. This will leave you with two options to either fight or flee. 
We want to avoid and deter any violent situation that we can. However, you should have some sort of self-defense training just in case. Now, when I suggest training, I'm not talking about watching YouTube videos like a couch potato. You need to actually get some lessons where you, you not only learn but can apply and practice your skills. Legally, use your concealed carry. Finally, if you are left with no other options, you may have to defend yourself using a firearm. Of course, this should only be used legally when you are facing death or great bodily harm. You should not only learn when to shoot, to shoot someone in self-defense, but also what happens if you shoot someone in self-defense. Regardless of the fact that you are defending yourself, there will be a legal process that follows afterwards. It may be that you will be arrested and detained for question. If you have properly defended yourself legally, then you will be justified. Otherwise, you can end up paying for bail, finding a lawyer, and paying court fees. This is why it is important to have a CCW insurance to help you pay for these bills so that you can defend yourself in courts. United States Concealed Carry Association is who I use for CCW insurance. I may never need it, but in the case that I do, they will be ready to assist me without putting me in a financial bind. It is just like car or health insurance. Altogether, these would be my tips on how to protect yourself from robbers. If you have any feedback or suggestions, then please leave them in the comments section. Your feedback helps the community prepare the smart way now so that we can thrive later on. All right. So um, totally agree with this. I mean, one of the things that I do is, um, and it's hard because we are, you know, we're driven by our smartphones. But, you know, when you're walking, make sure you're not on your smartphone. Make sure you're paying attention. Uh, sometimes... There's been times where people have walked up behind me and I can kind of see them out of the corner of my eye and I will just turn. And sometimes making eye contact with people and letting them know that you know that they're there, um, you know, th that tends to put them off as well. I'm a, I'm a bigger guy, so, they, you know, I, I, they're probably looking at me the same way, like, hey, what do you, you, know, what do you want? But, uh, you know, this one thing to always kind of be thinking about, especially when you're coming out of a store, a grocery store, uh, you know, and you're, you're trying to just make it to your car and you got your, your, your buggy and for women who have your purses and stuff like that. Um, you know, one of the things that you might want to consider too is, you know, if you are a mother and you have a baby, when do you put your baby in the car? How does all that work? Do you put your groceries in first and then put your baby in? Or do you put your baby in first and then put your groceries in? You kind of need to think about all those kinds of things. Which one would work better? Uh, maybe putting the groceries in first. So then if someone kind of tries to jack your car, you still have your baby in, in the baby seat in the, um, you know, in the buggy. And so that way, you know, um, they can take your car and they can take the groceries. They can take all that, but you still have your baby. Uh, and so that's um, something something to consider there when you're thinking about that. I was at the grocery store the other day and just kind of watching a mom. Um, you know, she put her kid in and then she kind of went and actually she turned on the car for to put the AC on, which you kind of understand, and especially in Houston when it can get hot. But then she started putting her groceries in, and I was thinking, oh my gosh, this is not this is not smart right here. If someone just, you know, rushed into, you know, pushed her out of the way and jumped into the driver's seat, 
they would take you know take the car take the baby and everything and uh you know so sometimes you just gotta we're, we're very trusting sometimes and if we've never been in a situation where we've had to think about this or we've never known anyone who has been in a, in a situation where they've been robbed before or carjacked we don't really think about it but uh, something that we should be thinking about in, in having those kinds of procedures looking around making sure that there's no one around you when you're turning your back and putting your groceries into the car and different things like that so good articles there's a lot of links on this one as well uh, that you'll want to go check out and um, uh, at smartpreppergear.com. All right, well, that's it for episode 48. Again, come check out episode 48 at the prepperwebsitepodcast.com on the show notes. Um, there's going to be tons of information there, uh, articles that you go uh, can, you can go link to at uh, you know, Sheepdog Man. You can go check out all those articles. And then these articles here that I read today, you definitely want to, uh, you want to go check those out because there's a lot of good information there. All right? So let me leave you with this. Choose to live a more self-reliant life. Choose not to be so dependent on the government grid or the grind. Until tomorrow, stay prepped and aware. Peace.